the moment. This is Atlanta Chiefs soccer. Penalty area. Let's see. There's an argument going on. The goalkeeper cannot move until that ball is kicked. Here it comes. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. In this episode of Peach and Pitch, we bow out to no man except for an invigorated crew. Anton Walks might have tea time with the Queen going back to England. And uh, honestly, I'm out of witticisms. We'll take a look at MLS's playoff picture today on Peach and Pitch. I'm Alex Bregan back in the studio. And I am Ethan Montegudo. It's good to have you back. Thank you. It's good to have you back. It was you know. a nice little break. I think the phone thing worked out well. But Absolutely. Did no. you have a good weekend? Uh, it, w- it was good. It was good. You know, very low-key. Didn't mm-hmm. go uh, down to all the madness in Jacksonville. You were sorely missed. Uh, no, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Maybe make it out next year. I went last year. but Yeah, I saw producer Mayan. Yeah. They're down on the beach. Yeah, it's good to see him. He looked a little bit inordinately happy, though. I don't know. Something was, something was wrong That's with him. That's odd. Yeah. Hmm. It was bizarre. <laughs> well, I mean, I know it's been a week, and a lot of people have had time to process this Atlanta United loss to fill in those who have been living under a rock or perhaps just aren't that big of fans of soccer. We took on the Columbus crew, an, Im- an embattled Columbus crew, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, drew nil-nil through the 90, went to extra time, no goals were scored, and lost in one of the worst penalty shootouts I have ever witnessed to. Gosh, and I called you right after. Yeah, I like, riddle me this, riddle (laughs) me this. Oh, I was not happy to say the least. I mean, as far as the first 90 goes, Minus Atlanta not putting away chances that they normally put. It's what we expected, really. I mean, it was two similar styles of offense, just exchanging blows. It just seems like Atlanta wasn't able to put away the goals that they're normally able to finish. And early on, Miguel Almiron just crushed a worldie into the post. And I think that was pretty much the story of that the the entire game, in a sense. A bit of unluckiness. Yeah, absolutely. What were your thoughts? Well, I, I said it last week on the air that this game was either going to go one of two ways. You know, it was going to be a Wild West shootout, Atlanta United making the first draw, and then just going bang, 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 tit for tat. Or we were going to cancel each other out, and it would come down to that one decisive moment. And it almost did right at the end of extra time. Thank God Michael Parkhurst was able to get a little curled foot and, oh, and yeah. stop that goal. Oh, yeah. open goal, and Parkhurst just mm-hmm. clears it off the line. But it, you know, it's one of those games that's really hard to break down because there's, there were no real, except for that one for the crew, there were a couple towards the end for the crew, but there weren't really, like, big defining moments in the game for me. I agree. It was, it was I mean, it was a lot of back and forth, for sure. The crew... Definitely showed up, without a doubt. So you have to pay your respect to them. Um, you want to talk about PKs? Because I think that's the most frustrated mm-hmm. I've been about this match. Yeah, I've got an interesting graphic pulled up here, actually, from a, I think, penalty kick stats Twitter. Yeah, and it, it sort of breaks down where PKs are expected to go, where most of them go in, and then it shows where each of the Atlanta United and Columbus crews went. And surprisingly, they say that Gonzalez Perez's PK is expected to go in 
82% of the time, oh, which I guess <laughs> is supposed to be because keepers dive out of the way. I don't know. His, his kick, for those who are unable to see it, I mean, it's hand height straight at the keeper, uh, slightly to the left. But and he just didn't look confident yeah. walking up to that thing. I mean, so the for those of you who missed well, it, St- Stefan didn't even have to move. He just no, I mean, he just sat there and caught it. Yeah. But I mean, for those of you who have who missed it, the lineup for the PKs first first up is Julian Gressel, second's LGP, then we got Tito Vialba, and then Lorenowitz with the with the last one. And so I got a few questions with this. Why, for your first PK? Mm-hmm. is a rookie lining up to take it arguably i'm gonna go ahead and take a leap of faith here and say that this was the biggest pk he's ever taken in his entire uh, life of course, of course. without when a doubt in providence there's no i mean collegiate soccer pales in comparison i'm not that mls is not necessarily the uefa champions no. league but it's it's a big game with and you're and yeah, right exactly. with a big crowd, you're paying, playing in front of another record-breaking crowd, and you put a rookie first. Well, up. and it's not necessarily to knock Gressel. No, not no, absolutely not, Which, absolutely not. I just would feel much more comfortable with someone mm-hmm. whose experience goes beyond collegiate experience. You, you yeah. understand what I'm saying? Like another professional player. So that's my first question. My second question is: Your second is is a center back, and once again. Not to knock the quality or skillfulness of LGP because he is a talented player. But when in any world soccer context, general soccer context, do you have your center back take your your second PK? I don't care how skillful he is. You don't see Sergio Ramos. You don't see Mm -hmm. Chiellini. Any of those guys. And they're about as skillful as it gets going up to take a PK. I just don't get it. Don't understand. I have to question whether or not Tata Martino really was not expecting PKs to come. And and that's the thing. And we I, sort of shot ourselves in the foot with some of the substitutions. We take off Joseph Martinez. Mm-hmm. We took off Yamil Assad, mm-hmm. who I can't remember. Was he hurt or something? It didn't seem like he was that gassed. I, I, I believe he was he was brought off for defensive purposes, proper, Maybe, probably I, because I mean, Parkhurst replaced Parkhurst him. Parkhurst replaced him. So but, it's an interesting substitute right there. But going off of what you said about Tata, I read an article where he basically said, we never practiced PKs. We just assumed when it came time for us to take PKs, we were going to make them. And, you know, I get it to a certain extent because the talent that you have on that team and the amount of goals that you're scoring, you should be able to have players that are going to put the ball in the net in a PK shootout. But at the end of the day, you're going into a knockout round of the playoffs. It's an entirely different atmosphere than what we're used to. And this is the first time a lot of these guys have played in an MLS playoff game. Like, this is the first time for a lot of them. Right. So, I I, I don't know. I I just think that you you have to at least practice. I mean, it's a knockout I'm going to go ahead and say that Tata made a mistake in allowing himself to be too beholden to the players' wishes in the lineup. Because Miguel Amarone asked to be the fifth, thinking that, you know, if the time comes— I'll be the guy who scores the game-winning goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all good and dandy, but we need Miguel to go in there second or third, get a freaking goal on the board. We go two down. Absolutely. Or and, just don't and, sub off Yosef. Yeah. I, I, Jacob Peterson, he had a decent performance there. It just didn't seem necessary. 
Joseph didn't seem like he was too tired. And he, he came off, I think, if I'm not mistaken, with only like seven minutes left. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he was not none too happy to be coming off either. Yeah. And neither would I. I mean, he's the— Six play- minutes left. Yeah, seven, six minutes left. Yeah, PKs are, are looming. Let him hobble through it and then, you know, let him rest up, take off his shin guards— Get a little massage from the physio and go up yeah. and, and pile drive home. Absolutely. A PK, I don't It's rough. It is indeed yeah. I mean, a rough. bunch of coulda, woulda, shouldas. Absolutely. You can argue eight games, 24 days, because they want to play all those games at home. I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe some tired legs. There's a lot of speculation. But the crux of the matter is we had a successful inaugural season. We really did, and this should, yeah, this should not undermine yeah, the success a- of the abs- Absolutely not. You have to give them credit, give the city of Atlanta credit. High hopes for next year, though, certainly. After this oh, one, yes. with it, leaving with a little bit of a bitter taste in our mouth, definitely higher hopes for next and season. And I said this to some friends, actually, while I was watching the game and right after the loss. <clears throat> and not a lot of people, I think, will like to hear this, but it, it could provide a bit of catharsis, and that is... I think Atlanta United winning MLS Cup, the MLS Cup, would have been arguably the worst thing that could happen. Now, exiting first round, not the best. I would have liked to see us make it to the conference semis or the conference finals. Though. But yes. now there is still a flame. We haven't, we really haven't proven anything yet. And there's still a hunger. And I think the city is going to come back next year just as excited just as energized to see Atlanta United play. Yeah, and I don't know if you see this smirk creeping onto my really? face as you say that. I, enti- I I completely agree. The The only thing that looms in the dark shadows for me yeah. is that uh, it's an Atlanta team. And if you aren't Dude, familiar I'm, with I'm Atlanta— I'm tired of this narrative. Oh, but, but the will, thing is— I will it, go toe-to-toe it, with you about this narrative. Because, dude, it's almost a factual thing at this point. No, 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 no. I, oh, I hate that God. people create oh. because it's entirely—it's an entirely fictitious, imposed narrative Mm-mm. that has it's, no <laughs> substantive are you kidding qualities me? to it. I are mean, you, how Are you kidding how can, me? Break it down. Break I'm, it down. I'm saying, how can— simply by virtue of being an Atlanta team, what does that actually do to the players? Are you saying you want to be you want to be you want to be literal. You want to be that literal. Yes. Oh my god. Okay, well obviously think about these things literally. Otherwise we're just, you know, kind of being poetic and you know Oh I'm not being I'm not I'm not being poetic. I am you know, I'm relating to the rest of the disgruntled Atlanta fan base. I've been here since day one. I've been watching the Braves, been watching the Falcons, Georgia Bulldogs, and now we're just waiting for Atlanta United to, to be thrown in the mix. Oh, and the Hawks, too. Make the playoffs every year. Don't do anything. But you know what? We'll save this for another time. That's just I, how I feel about it. They're right. an Atlanta team, so to me, that it's in their DNA to... to to not live up to expectation. But Atlanta United is so new and so fresh. I mean, we that's really true. Don't I would love DNA to. I would yet, love you know to ride I mean? it out. I would. I really would. But until next season, I can't really sit here and say that they've broken the mold. Well, yeah, we can't say that they've broken the mold necessarily. But the idea that somehow, simply because they are located in Atlanta, this team possesses certain qualities <laughs> that 
inhibit oh it from making God. it past the first or second round of the playoffs. All right, you know, you know what? If I you... just feel like it's it's a nothing burger, and a lot of people love to say it, and it also gives fuel to those who would detract from Atlanta. I, I'm so not a big fan I'm just, of that. You narrative. think I'm just hopping on the the bandwagon no, here? I'm not saying that historically Atlanta United or Atlanta teams have not choked and do not exhibit some of the same tendencies. Okay, but to but, say that it literally affects their play is is incorrect is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. And well, I think a lot of people tend to while they may not genuinely deep down believe it. <laughs> it's it's a fun little, you know. No, no, no. It's not fun for me. No, no. To, for, no, no. Not necessarily and, and for And this you. is to me you're making it and this this is going a bit far here, but um, to me, you're making it sound like I moved in from another city, and I'm like, "Hey, this is the culture in Atlanta. We just all say that our teams lose." No, so hey, it's, I know it's, you're purebred Norcross. All right, a hundred percent, baby, hundred percent. But I digress. Let's should we, let's, should we re- let's move on. The season? Yeah, let's yeah, do a little. T- season actually, review. if you have any thoughts about this, though, tweet us at Peach and Pitch. Do Do you think it's warranted to say Atlanta United is just another Atlanta United or Atlanta sports team? That they fit the mold. Let us know your <laughs> thoughts, or uh, contact us some other way. We're, I'm curious. Me too. Okay, so let's let's review the season a little bit. What's what's the highlight of the season for you? Your favorite moment? Um, I and it was tough to think of one, just because this season has been littered with them. Mm-hmm. But I would have to say the Orlando City versus Atlanta United in the dome. Not in, in the, the in the dome in the dome. Yeah. MBS. Yeah. In in the bins. And I was there when we broke the attendance record. Six goals, well. yeah, six goals scored. Tito Vialbo with the Hattie. Just a, an exciting, very exciting game. First game in the Benz for me. I, that was probably my highlight for sure. Right. Yeah, that was a good one actually. I would have to say, and maybe this is a little bit overwrought and too cliched, but the first game, even though it was a loss, you know, just seeing finally what Atlanta United was going to be like. Mm-hmm. And the and the really, you know, sort of excitement. Well, yeah, Looking the, out at that crowd thinking, wow, this is what this is going to be? Yeah, the realization you know, that it's going to be like a legit exactly. a legit thing. And even though we lost, I mean, I walked away. It, it felt like a cultural victory. Absolutely. You know I mean? For the city of Atlanta. For, exactly. the, for the culture. For the for, culture. For the culture. Culture, baby. Um, so that being said, any any players surprise you this year? Hmm. Who was who was your who was your surprise guy and who was your well he should have done a little bit better. You know it's a bit hard to speak about that sort of for the reason that I didn't really honestly go into the season knowing no, much it, about right and I was considering that too. I'd say surprise for me honestly I mean maybe those more in the know mm-hmm. wouldn't have considered him a surprise but Miguel Amarone mm-hmm. just seeing how incredibly good he was and the fact that an expansion team got an MVP quality player mm-hmm. for their first season and to come out and just yeah knock knock the ball around and do what he did um yeah he's got to be a surprise the surprise player for me what about yourself uh well not to toot my own horn but um the uh the original blog for me I actually footy footy analysis footy footy coverage footy coverage uh, blog spot. And anyways, I actually predicted Miguel Amaron to uh to go snap mode this season. So, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was in I was in the field. So you were more in the know than yeah, me. a little bit as usual. Um. Anyways, <laughs> oh. so my surprise player, 
And like you said, I feel like you had to have a good, relatively good grasp of who they are before the season started in order for it to be an actual surprise. But that being said, I remember watching the first game and I was like, man, that that uh, that striker, he's he's always in position to score, just can't seem to put one in. And I remember talking to my, my boy Rizzola and we were just saying, this team has the potential to be really good if this striker can produce. And sure enough, I believe their next game was against, was it the impact in the snow? Which one was no, the snow uh, game? Minnesota United. There you go. Just yeah, six one goal fest. Right, right. And and Yosa Martinez is just putting everything in, and I'm like, holy crap, this guy is actually He's legit. The real deal. He yeah. is the real deal, and he was the missing piece after that first game. Um, so he was the surprise. Ultimately, ending the season with what was it? Nineteen goals. Nineteen goals, and I I wish I had the stat pulled up right here. Sixty seven shots. If, I just want to see across how many minutes. I mean, because he, he must have one of the best goals. Per minute, uh, 19 goals in 1,642 minutes and only 18 appearances. I mean, he's averaging more than a goal a game. Right, right. With, yeah. with, with that stretch in which he was hurt. So, so. disappointing player for you? you disappointing player. Really, no one stands out as a huge disappointment. Honestly, I'm going to kind of go off the beaten path and maybe say Kenwin Jones. Kenwin Jones. Just because he was so – I feel like he was so yeah, hyped no, no, up yeah, yeah, in the yeah. run-up to Atlanta United. And he had a couple of good performances. In early season, you kind of thought he was going to be a, a guy really right. who could be a number two behind Joseph Martinez. And now he's looking at – there's rumors he's going to retire after this or the next uh-huh. season. Apparently his knees are giving out on him. So not necessarily that Kenwin was terrible, but I'd say he did definitely did not right. live up to his billing. I like that one. That's a good one. You know, I definitely expected to see him – be a bigger part of the team than mm-hmm. he was especially when i remember him got get signed i was like oh Lanny united signing some big names out here really? maybe a little bit older but final end of the season he starts to pick things up he's playing well but to me coming from the prim the expectations for me were a little bit higher yeah. than i think that he produced and it'll be interesting to see what happens with him moving forward and this kind of works perfectly just roll into um the next thing I think we were he we're, we're looking at picking up a new center back new, right back yeah, um exactly possibly to replace walks that's the speculation yeah um he plays center back by trade can move out to the right back spot a lot like Anton walks a man um, by the name of Franco Escobar absolutely Dr- like yeah. that drug dealer exactly. kind of another Argentinian yeah from Newell's old boys I always love when clubs are named stuff like BSC young boys Newell's the young boys. boys yeah yeah. apparently I mean because it literally comes from back in the day they were like older dudes who started the club oh, really I didn't yeah, know that. actually dang so the old boys but yeah this guy Franco Escobar we were we were looking at his highlights <laughs> the dude's got pace he's a very intelligent positioner so I mean he always seems to be in the right position to make um, a defensive play, very quick passing, great vision. So uh, this this should be exciting. And from you know what we've gleaned online, it looks like this is all but a done deal. Yeah. So for the most part, January. I think it's yeah. a three year deal. Um, and he's also a youngster as well, twenty two yeah, year old. I don't know if you mentioned that. And I really respect Tata's ability to recruit quality i'm not really concerned as to whether or not this guy is going to produce based off of what he snagged out of argentina already i mean we were talking about it before you know i i will say i think 
that might be misdirecting the credit a bit because I think Tata is more kind of like the beacon. People look to him mm-hmm. and they say, oh, they've got Tata Martino, they're coming. But I actually listened to an interview with Darren Eels. Yeah. And he says that really Tata's a bit hands off when it comes to the acquisition okay. of players. Yeah, he more just says, "Look, I'll, I'll kind of look at the guys. I'll, I'll make any recommendations, but I'm, let, I'm gonna let you guys locate the talent, bring them to me, and I'll fit them into the system." That's cool. I mean, that makes sense. And he kind of sits at the top as like a figurehead to help yeah, attract players, exactly. especially Argentina, Argentinian players. Talent, yeah, without a doubt. I think, and a lot of players, they're just like, "Wow, I get to be coached by Tata Martino." He's a, I mean, I. There's really no U.S. equivalent, but I guess it'd be like a young player being like, oh, I get to be coached by Bill Belichick or something. You know, it's a, a real national, a guy with a real national maybe profile. Bob Bradley, yeah. maybe. Man, hey, Bruce Arena? Yeah. Too early? I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, speaking about transfers, is there anyone else you'd like to see us get? Or not necessarily players in particular, but positionally, uh, where you'd like to see us sort of... Positionally, Strength I mean, the buttress. De- defensively, I'd love to shore up the, the defense. Um, maybe, you know, Lorenowitz is getting a little bit older. Maybe replace him. Mm-hmm. Not not necessarily already replace him. Yeah. Hold on to him for a couple more years and add maybe a young, rock-solid holding mid that can yeah. just slide in there and fill that place, exactly. keep everything shored up. Carmona is still fairly long, young, if I'm correct. I think he's has like a, late 20s. Yeah, a few, few more years under his yeah. belt, and he's very talented as well. But that would be nice to see another another holding mid slide in there that's just rock exactly. solid. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see us add some more depth, really, just making sure that no matter what, because we were so plagued by injuries this year, it seemed, that we always have you know, an A-plus quality side to go out there, and you're really never concerned, okay, this guy's out for a couple weeks, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So. And that being said, the guys that filled in, like McCann and and Kratz, they did a good job for sure. 100%. Well, should we do a little Marco Golo? There was some Champions League action <sighs> yes. these past few days. Yes, yes, yes. Or actually, should we do yeah. MLS playoff picture? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Hit on that real quick. Yeah. Um, so we're about to go into the second leg of the conference semifinals right now. In the West, there have been no goals scored. Portland and Houston played to a nil-nil draw on Sunday, I believe. And Seattle and Vancouver also played to a nil-nil draw. Mm-hmm. So these next two games should be pretty exciting. Just a reminder, it's an aggregate score. So first, it's which means basically in soccer, you play two games. Whoever has the most goals through the two games wins. Basically think of each game as one half. In the East, Toronto were able to best the Red Bulls 2-1 to one in New York, which means a crucial two away goals. And New York City FC was absolutely manhandled by Columbus 4-1, which I guess you know makes Atlanta United's loss look a little bit better. And I, I said that it, it kind of makes me a little bit more upset, yeah, yeah. knowing that if we would have moved on, we probably would have been delivering that beating. Yes, that beat down. Yes. But, yeah, you know, I got to say I'm – a little bit happy for the crew, honestly. And yeah. the um, Columbus supporter section is called like Do Not Echo. So like the North Corner. Oh yeah, and translate it for me. I don't know. It, it has <laughs> basically. Yeah, they they stayed like 15 minutes after the match, and they were saying that ah, was the channel. was like C R E W blank U pre court. We are the crew. <laughs> they just kept playing it. So I like it. I like but it. But I actually tweeted this out. I saw that. One of my Pledge Brothers, yes. 
his girlfriend is best friends. I know this is a little like six degrees of separation. Best friends with the daughter of one of the high up um, crew coaches, and she has been telling my boy's girlfriend that they're like making plans to move to Austin. So I know that's very conjectural, and I'm not sure if this delegitimizes us as a news source, but I thought I'd pass along the information. <laughs> my sister's friend's boyfriend's yeah, sister, girlfriend's cousin. cousin yeah. <laughs> no, no, heard once. You know, we'll we'll on see. Train. Anyway, so yeah, that that hopefully all the best for Columbus. Hashtag save the crew. Marco Golo. Marco Golo. Marco Golo. I I got a chance to catch the um the Tottenham Madrid mm-hmm. game. Yeah, Deli Ali, Deli Ali showing out with with the brace. Exactly. Erickson with the other goal, and yes. then we then we had Ronaldo with a little cheeky chip PK right down the middle. Mm-hmm. So Tottenham take down Real Madrid three to one, and they're sitting atop their group that was supposed to be the group of death, ten on ten points. Mm-hmm. Real Madrid with seven, and then. Hope all but lost for Borussia Dortmund down it with two points. I didn't even two draws see and that. two losses. Wow. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. So that's I mean, a fun side to watch. Did they they did they not win yesterday? I think they're playing. Did they not win? I'm not sure. It must have been a draw. Yeah. <sighs> or potentially a loss. Well, that's unfortunate. It shows. I mean, I'm showing a little bit of my lack of knowledge. Liverpool with three goals over a quality. Yeah, Maribor. Yeah. And actually, surprisingly enough. As you know, in the dumps as Dayon Lovren is right now, he was rated uh, the player of the match. So whatever, good for him. Yeah, poor poor guy. You got. I mean, you got to sympathize with with Lovren. I can't even imagine the backlash he's receiving. Oh. <laughs> and to go out there and he. I mean, you know, I, I said this to a buddy of mine. Think about any time you walked off the field and you felt like you had a bad game. Like I remember one one time we had. I, I had a terrible game in defense mm-hmm. with. Um, Ian Dyer's side, mm-hmm. or maybe it was Mark Tonner. And, you know, I get subbed off late in the game and don't go back in. But I get to go home and fade back into anonymity. I can't even imagine if I went on Twitter and like 6,000 people are telling me how bad you are. Sucked. Horror, yeah. <laughs> you're and then saying you're going to kill my family? I mean, that's just, it's unnecessary. It is very unnecessary. But I mean, very right, unnecessary. such is the nature of this world we live in. I mean, instantaneous communication. Hiding behind the veil. Oh, well. Can cause some trouble. Exactly. For sure. For sure. But speaking of youth talent. Yeah, we want to look at this. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a peek. Yeah. So we have the 50 best young talents from 10 years ago. Yes. Some interesting names on the list. World Soccer, a magazine. Someone posted this on Reddit. Yeah, they 10 years ago, 2007 ranked. Who would be the 50 best players you know, in the, in the coming years. Number one, I've never even heard of him. Sadiq Adams, a Ghanaian who apparently at the time played for Atletico Madrid. I'm going to look up real quick what he's doing right now. And then number three, Alexander, Alexander Pato, which I think most, most should be aware of just disappointing player for sure. I know you, you, you hit on that before, but the, the big surprise to me was Giovanni dos Santos at number five. At yeah, Barcelona. Isn't that isn't that pretty crazy? I, okay. Sadiq, Mr. Sadiq Adams, supposed to be the best youth talent in the world, now plays for drum roll. Asante Kotoko SC in Ghana. Mmm. Yeah, poor guy. That's interesting. And then some some recognizable names. Yeah, Tony Cruz, Juan Mata. Gareth Bale was number six. Aguero number seven. Theo Walcott, Theo Walcott, 48, poor guy, yeah, dude, bless he's his heart. He's still, every year, he's still like 
one for next year. You know what I mean? He's he's almost 30 now, and I feel like he's still tipped as the next big thing sometimes. Yeah. Uh, we got Angel Di Maria at number 11. Benzema at number 15. Uh, but, you know, honestly, the lion's share of these names just never materialized. So Unfortunately, hopefully I don't end up like yeah, one of those exactly. guys. <laughs> Shows you how hard it is to make it. Yeah, speaking of making it, we are definitely not making it, and we are out of time for today. This has been Peach and Pitch. I'm Alex Bregan. And I am Ethan Montegudo. Thank you guys very much. Exactly. Visit us at peachsoccer.com or follow us at Peach and Pitch. Have a great rest of your day, and go dogs. Dogs on top. Go dogs. Go dogs. See ya.